Toasted Fiction Theatre presents a no-nonsense production of Parahandi. With a red beard, a hard, round felt hat, ridiculously out of harmony with a blue pilot's jacket and trousers, and a seaman's jersey. With his hands immersed deeply in those pockets our grandfathers used to wear behind a front flap. He would have attracted one's notice even if he had not been singing a long-forgotten sea song. Young Monroe, he had an ocean thought to sail across the sea. By that sign. And he left his true love weeping all alone in Grookey. that sign. And by a curious gesture he had, as if he were now and then going to scratch his ear, and only determined not to do it when his hand was up, one could tell that he was one of Macfarlane's. There were ten Macfarlane's, all men. A passer-by might say to the vocalist in the hard hat, I think you ought to know you. You're the McFarlane. Either the beacon or the kale or the nipper or keep dark or para-handy. Oh, sure as death, I'm just para-handy. And I ken your name fine. I, I just can't mind your face. Para-handy might then regale one with tales of the most uncertain steam lighter or puffer that ever kept the old new year in upper lock wine. The smartest boat in the trade have sailed for, for four years over twenty with my heart in my mouth for fear of her boiler. Oh, if you ever saw Fatal Spark, she's all hold with boiler behind. Three men and the engineer are the crew of her. Oh man, she is a beauty, she is just sublime. She should carry nothing but gentry for passengers, but the owners just spoil her and rub the paint off her with their cargoes of coals and sand and windstone and rubbish like that. Is it not common knowledge in the West Coast shipping trade that her boiler is apt to prime? That's a damned lie. Her boiler never primed more than once a month. If Doogie was here, he would tell you himself. She could go like the clappers. I have heard it put at five knots. Five knots? Show me the man who says five knots and I'll make him swallow the hatches. Six knots. Six knots, many the time, between Skate and the Otter. And if Doogie was here, he would tell you himself. But I'm not bragging about her sailing. It's her looks, man. She was smart. Every time she was painted and tarred, I would put on my Sunday clothes. She looked just sublime. The intrepid mariner might, if the audience were attentive, and whiskey was in plentiful supply, tell one of the many tales of his voyages. Before passing on these tales, it is important to know the crew. Doogie, the mate. Sonny Jim, the cook and winchman. And MacPhail, the chief and only engineer. The malingerer. The crew of the Vital Spark were all willing workers 
all except Sonny Jim, who was usually as tired when he rose in the morning as when he went to bed. He said himself it was his health and that he had never got his strength back since he had the whooping cough twice when he was a boy. The captain was generally sympathetic and would remark to the mate that he believed Sonny Jim was destined to have a short life unless he gets himself married and has a wife to look after him. Sonny Jim always maintained that he couldn't afford a wife. They're too grand for the likes of me. Ach, aye, but well, you might look about uh, and find a wee, uh, no, affy bonny one. If she was blind of the like, the better chance of getting her. Doogie, the mate, always scoffed at Sonny Jim's theological illnesses and cruelly ascribed his lack of energy to sheer laziness. He also pointed out to Perrin Handy that the unfortunate weakness always seemed to come on when there was most work to be done. Sometimes, when Sonny Jim was supposed to be preparing the dinner, he would be found sound asleep, sitting on an upturned bucket with a half-peeled potato in his hand. He once crept out of the forecastle, rubbing his eyes after twelve hours sleep, saying, Tell me this and tell me the mayor. Am I going to my bed or coming there? But there was something unusual and alarming about the illness which overtook Sonny Jim on the way up Loch Fine to lift a cargo of timber. First, he had shivers all down his back. Then, he got so stiff that he could not bend to lift a bucket, but had to kick it along the deck in front of him. Which made Doogie say, Man, you're off a handy with your feet. After a breakfast of six herrings and two eggs, declared his appetite completely disappeared. And finally, he declared, Chat, I'm afraid there's nothing for it but to take to my bed. I'll maybe not trouble you long. My head's burning up fast. I can't even mind my own name two minutes. Should maybe write it in a wee bit of paper and keep it inside your bonnet so that you could look at it any time you are needing. Pera Handy had kinder feelings and told Sonny Jim to go and lie down for an hour or two and take a wee drop of something. Maybe a wee drop of brandy would help me. No, not brandy. A drop of good British spirits will suit you better. I'll come down and uh, dispense the prescription myself. The gusto with which Sonny Jim swallowed the prescription and took a chew of tobacco after to enhance the effect, made Pera Handy somewhat suspicious. Moments later, when Sonny Jim was in gentle slumber, the captain took the mate aside on deck. The last coach just scheming. There's nothing in the world wrong with him but the laziness. If you'll notice, he's always no wheel when we're going to lift the timber. The captain was indignant. I have a good mind to go down there with the rope's end. However, Doogie confided to Perlhandy a method of punishing the Malingara while at the same time getting some innocent amusement for themselves. Dinner time came round and Sonny Jim instinctively awakened, wondering what they would bring him to eat. However, there seemed to be an unusual stillness on deck. 
This provoked a feeling of unease in Sunny Jim, which was heightened when Pear Handy and Doogie came creeping downstairs, wearing slippers instead of their ordinary sea boots, speaking in whispers and carrying a bowl of gruel. Miss Affa, are you going to paste up some bells? Quish, now, you must not excite yourself. Take the scroll, it will do you no harm. Oh, poor fellow, is looking awful bad. They hung over his bunk with an attitude of chastened grief, and Doogie made to help him to the gruel with a spoon, as if he were unable to feed himself. Have you knee beef? I'll need to keep my strength up with something man gruel. You're done for your life, take anything but gruel. And with the death of you at once to take beef, although there is plenty in the pot, just take this like a good lad and don't speak. I Jove, you're looking far through. Your nose is as sharp as a prin. The mate took a piece of engine room waste and wiped the brow of Sonny Jim, who was beginning to perspire with alarm. Hang about, I'm as bad as I It's just a ton. I did my bed, or put me all right. Or uh, maybe the cooties. They shook their heads sorrowfully. The captain turned away as if to hide a tear. Doogie blew his nose with much ostentation <laughs> and stifled a sob. With you. Oh, nothing, nothing at all. Don't say a word. Now, is there anything we can get for you? Well, my head's bad yet. Perhaps a drop of spirits? There's no another drop left on the ship. Oh, and I don't suppose there's any beer either. He was told that there was no beer either and instructed cry if he required any further assistance. After which, the two nurses crept quietly on deck, leaving Sonny Jim in a very uneasy frame of mind. Late in the afternoon, the captain and the mate came down again, quietly with their caps in their hands, to discover Sonny Jim surreptitiously smoking in his bunk. It's not for you, it's not for you at all, smoking. With the trouble you have, smoking drives it to the heart, and it will kill you at once. The trouble do you think it is? Well, Doogie says it's conv... Convo... What did you say it was, Doogie? Convolvulus to the inside. I had two aunties that died yet in their infancy. I'm going to get up at once. But he was thrust back into his bunk with assurances that the convolvulus would burst at the first effort of the kind he made. Fancy trouble like that coming in me, and me quite young. There was never one in your family that had it. It's sleeping that brings it home, sleeping and sitting down. There's nothing to keep off the convolvulus but exercise and rising early in the morning. Poor fellow. But she'll maybe get better where there's hope for life. The captain and me was wondering if there was anything we could bring a shirt for you, you know, some grapes, maybe a shilling bottle of sherry wine. Mercy me, I'm as fast through as that. Or maybe you would like 
MacPhail the engineer to come down and read you the scriptures a while. MacPhail? Wouldn't let a man like that read a songbook, Jamie? They patted him affectionately on the shoulder. Doogie made as if to shake his hand and checked himself. Then the captain and mate went softly on deck again, and the patient was left with his fears. He felt utterly incapable of getting up. Panahandy and Doogie went to the town and bought several drams for the local joiner, who was also an undertaker. With this functionary in their company, they were moving towards the quay, when Doogie saw in a grocer's shop window a pictorial card bearing the well-known monkey portrait advertising a certain soap that won't wash clothes. He went, chuckling, into the shop, made some small purchase, and came out possessor of the picture. Half an hour later, it was dark, and Sunny Jim was lying in an agony of hunger, which he took to be the pains of internal convolvulus. Perahande, Doogie, and the joiner came quietly down to the forecastle. They had no lamp, but struck matches. And looked at him in his bunk with countenances full of pity. A nose as sharp as a prin. It must be the calloping type of convolvulus. Here's McIntyre the joiner. He'd like to see you. In the light of the match, the joiner cast a rapid professional eye over the patient's proportions. What's the joiner wanting here? None at all, none at all, six by two. I was just passing, six by two, just passing, and the captain asked me, and he said, six by two, six by two. He said, no very healthy weather we're having, <laughs> just that. In the darkness, I feel as if I was already dead and buried. Am I looking very bad, Captain? Ah, uh, well, Dougie himself will tell you. Uh, bad, no the name for it. Just look at your cell in the engineer's looking glass. He produced under his arm the engineer's little mirror, on the face of which he had gummed the portrait of the monkey, cut out from the soap advertisement. The captain struck a match. And in its brief and insufficient light, Sunny Jim looked at himself, as he thought, reflected in the mirror. Man, I'm no off the changed either if I had a shave and my face washed. I don't believe it's convolvulus at all. With that, he jumped from his bunk, and for the rest of the week, he put in the work of two men. You have been listening to As the Narrator and the Joiner, yours truly, Kevin Janitz. As Passerby, Doogie the Mate, and Sonny Jim, Callum McVitie. And as the Master Mariner himself, Para Handy, Stuart Phillips.
This episode of Toast's Fiction Theatre was adapted and produced by No Nonsense Productions from a story by Neil Monroe and was performed by Kevin Janitz, Callum McVitie and Stuart Phillips. Please check out No Nonsense Productions on Twitter and Facebook at No Nonsense Pro and check out their website www.nononsenseproductions.co.uk And now for the bit that everybody loves at the end of a podcast. This series of the podcast is produced by series creator Chris Patrick, that's me, and Ross Patrick. Yes, we are related. You can subscribe to Toasted Fiction Theatre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts, and we host the podcast on Anchor FM. Please support the show by subscribing, sharing the podcast with your friends, or leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. Any review, any rating really helps boost the podcast and get it in front of more people. You can also help support the show through our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Toasted Fiction Theatre. Just chuck a pound in. If everybody chucks a pound in, that would be grand and it means we can um, keep producing the series um, and keep bringing you more episodes and different kinds of stories and we'll put towards doing live shows when we can do live shows again. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Toasted Fiction Theatre. And you can get in touch with us via email on toastedfictiontheatre at gmail.com. For more information on Toasted Fiction Theatre and other work by Chris Patrick, still me, including books and sketches, for which there are plenty, head to www.chrispatrickwriter.com. There's a bunch of books on there. There's loads of sketches. Um, Anything that I do will be on the website. And if you enjoy that stuff, that's great. Thank you very much. Um, and you can you can enjoy it all there. So that's it for this episode of Toast's Fiction Theatre. Thank you for listening, and till next time.